up, everybody? It's your boy, John Beatty, with a back with another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast with a co-host, Daniel Terry, up in this motherfucker. Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not ready for that, man. <laughs> you've got to. You've got to warn me before doing doing a thing. Well, uh, as you can tell from this cold intro, uh, I was trying my best to sound like the uh, episode's guest, which is Doc Coyle. Uh, if you are familiar with him from his time in God forbid, you may know of him from his uh, band Bad Wolves, who are pretty much taking over the entire world. And uh, he has a really great podcast that uh, is is a shining example of what I aspire to be, but will never be for a multitude of reasons. Uh, the X-Men podcast, Doc Coyle Returns. Uh, we did this conversation a couple of months ago now when Bad Wolves was in town supporting Papa Roach uh, before the newest record, Nation, had come out. Actually, there wasn't even a, there was a single out at that point, so a lot has happened in the Bad Wolves camp. But that was my little homage to uh, Doc Coyle and how he always starts uh, the X-Men podcast. Uh, I didn't tell Dan I was going to do that, so he was completely caught off guard. <laughs> Just a little bit. Although I think it's weird you saying, you know, yeah, he does a podcast. He's in Bad Wolves. I'm like, don't you mean Doc Coyle from God Forbid? Yeah. I think that's kind of the interesting thing about Doc Coyle's podcast. And very much like this, I think, uh, you know, it started off under the pretenses of being, you know, the X-Men. And it's about X-members of bands and I think has kind of evolved into... Just Doc having interesting conversations with people that he knows, and, and in some instances, you know, doesn't know, like with uh, John from uh, Baroness, and it, it's always kind of intimidating, because Doc gets to get a lot of the same people we do, and I know that, like, at the time of us doing this chat, I was like, you just dropped your John from Baroness episode, and I'm sitting on mine, and I listened to yours, and I was like, god damn it, foiled by coil again. I still need to make that like a hashtag officially, but... Um, <laughs> spoiled by coil, that's awesome. Foiled by coil. Oh, my bad. You could be spoiled, too. Yeah, I guess. I'd be spoiled if I had his email list. Yeah, probably. Um, but, I mean, the dude's just, uh, you know, super nice, gracious with his time. Um, anytime he's on someone's podcast, I always feel like it's kind of like a master class in... in you know, being a guest on someone's podcast as a, as a band person, because with him doing this and being on the other side of it, I think it allows him to kind of be more understanding of what makes a good guest. Totally. He, he has an understanding of what we're looking for when we talk and doesn't fall into that band guy thing where it's like, yeah, yeah, we're going to do that. Yeah. It's in the press release. Yeah. There's probably going to be a tour. I don't know. Well, I love to, and I mean, the kind of hard thing is, is like the first time we had him on, um, I really was still in that mindset of like, I want to have these, these guests on and do a thing, you know, and talk about a thing that they're not necessarily known for. And at that point it was just like, yeah, you know, his love of sports and basketball mainly. And, you know, with NBA season just kind of right around the corner at the time of when we were talking and, you know, we kind of hit on some interesting topics, but I, I was definitely nervous to talk to him because I felt like I needed to bring my A++ game to him. Um, and, you know, through the power of editing, I think it made it sound a little bit better than I felt like it was. But this was one where, you know, now we're over a year in. We've we've talked to a lot of different people, and I had more confidence in what we what this podcast is and what this show is and what I'm able to, to, to bring to a chat with someone like Doc, um, who not only does his own podcast but gets interviewed so fucking much. I, I mean, at this point, I think we've interviewed – well, I guess we've only interviewed two, two – uh, is it two-fifths? Two guitar players, bass player, there's three, Tommy, and then the drummer. So, yeah, two-fifths of uh, Bad Wolves. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's kind of the thing about that band that's interesting is everyone personality-wise is just so different. 
Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh just to just to get the different perspectives. I thought it was kind of neat in the chat too where you know you were asking about that and he was very upfront about like how the songwriting actually goes down in the band. Uh I'm saying it like it's a negative because he's like, "Yeah, I don't really have a lot of direct influence on it." And um again, it's just one of those things where it was a kind of a more classy answer instead of just like either A, making something up that wasn't true. <laughs> or B, um, you wouldn't really see that with bands like at that level, but, uh, you know, or, you know, basically just being like, yeah, I don't know. And just moving on, you know? Well, it's kind of interesting speaking to that is, you know, the fact that like, I've heard him on, on his podcast very recently after the new re- record nation has come out and someone was like, he's like, I know it's an acronym, but I don't know what the fuck it is. Like that wasn't necessarily the title I picked or whatever. And, and no one has told me what the acronym means. If it even means anything, like, I don't know. And so I think it is kind of interesting that in some aspects, even though he's a part of the band, there are things that he doesn't let bother him seemingly because yeah. he understands that it's not that big of a deal. It's not that big of a deal to, to not have picked the title of the record. And then if it's an acronym, like not even know what it means. Like if anything, that makes it more fun. So when, like he said, like when someone asked me, they'd be like, I don't know. What do you think it means? And then get like weird, interesting information from somebody else as to what they think it could mean. And I, I kind of like that. He just is very open and sincere about shit like that. I mean, even to the fact when I was like, Oh, I thought it was weird that you guys posted like, Oh, what's the next cover you want to hear us do? And he goes, Dude, straight up, we did not do that. Like, we were, like, adamant about not doing a cover, and then someone from the label side posted that on our socials, and it's like, oh. So, I mean, it's like, that's not a typical answer you you usually hear from someone. Usually just be like, oh, you know, we were trying to just gauge the interest of the fans, or I, yeah. I don't know. But, like, the fact that he was like, we had no hand in that whatsoever, it's like, all right. Like, that's not the answer I was expecting, but interesting to know that you kind of were on the same perspective that a lot of us were thinking like, yo, why the fuck do you need to do another cover? Yeah, no, I, I get that. And I, I totally understand too, that it would have been their perspective to not really want to do that, you know, um, because of just all the horrible names you get called. But at the same time, you're going to get called those names anyway. So, you know, at, at the end of the day, you know, when you're on that level there, you, you have to be plugged into what, you know, maybe people want to hear or what people expect, you know, <laughs> to a certain degree. I mean, I'm not one of those guys who thinks that you just owe your fans everything. You know, but at the same time, you know, uh, if if you want to keep doing well, you have to give people the thing that they want, <laughs> you know. Absolutely. Well, speaking of the thing that I know people want, it's probably the conversation with Doc himself as opposed to hearing us bullshit. Uh, so without further ado, this is my conversation with Doc Coyle, and we'll talk to you afterwards. <laughs> have the pleasure uh this uh early it's early afternoon at this point i guess uh sitting next to doc Coyle, the x-man himself here in grand rapids michigan uh you guys are getting ready to play with papa roach asking alexandria that that we are we are yeah we're we're kind of uh near the the landing area of the of, of the tour we're you know it's about a five week Five and a half week tour, and we're i think we have about 10 days 12 days left something like that i feel like you guys are just constantly on the road so it probably just feels like you blur from one one tour to the next yeah well this year has been strange because technically you know our like main cycle ended 
in December of last year, but then we kind of been just doing, we went to Australia in January, or was that February, excuse me. Um, then we did, like, we keep doing these, like, little runs. We did, you know, about a week with, you know, uh, Breaking Benjamin, and then we did, like, this little 10-day run of, uh, like, festivals and yeah. off dates, then we went to Europe and did festivals, and then now we're doing this, and then, so it's been this weird thing of touring, but then we have some time off, and then we're touring, and then we have some time <laughs> off. You know, that kind of happens again. We, we, this tour ends uh, first of September, and then we have about two months off from tour, and then we go out with Five Finger Death Punch again. You know, a lot's been made, I think, in regards to Bed Wolves after Disobey came out of what is this next record going to sound like? Because it's really the first, correct me if I'm wrong, the first where all of you are actually writing it together, not it's kind of already a pre-made band and then pieces yeah. are kind of coming together. Um, so with that, you know, you guys have just kind of dropped the new single, I'll Be Here, or I'll Be There, yeah. sorry. Um, I think of Jackson 5. Um, That's what I thought of, too. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, that's what you're gonna call it? Yeah, you probably shouldn't do that. Well, that was the joke I was making, even on Twitter. Is it's like, you know, you guys had put out that poll. Do you guys want to? What cover would you like to hear us do? So well, actually, we didn't do that. Our social media guy at the label did that, and we were like, what the hell? Man? We don't want to do no cover. I didn't want to do a cover. So okay, and I love doing covers. I just, I felt strategically, it didn't make a whole lot, a lot of sense to, you know, the the truth is, you know. Obviously, Zombie was this massive kind of global uh, success, you know, but I think it was incumbent upon the band to really make its name on this next record with original material. And then once you kind of have that pass and then that, that stigma doesn't hang over, over you, because I think what people want to do is they want to undermine yeah. your, 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 your accomplishments and say, well, you only did that because blank. Yeah. You know, you know. Um, You're already hitting on like everything I've written down. So kind of, kind of <laughs> ignoring the fact that you know the band's you know subsequent two singles went number one. Yeah, and, and if you come see the band live, you you know, you know we we do pretty well before Zombie. <laughs> so for me, it's for me, it's more like a a strategic thing of saying let's do the unexpected. Right. I think the thing for me was I thought it was really weird that that was a post you were doing because I know obviously Zoltan as your manager and a lot of ties to five finger beyond that, even with just the constant touring you've done with them, but they're a band that seemingly kind of has perfected that. Like every new album cycle, we're dropping a new cover. I mean, they got yeah, the but they on didn't black. do it on the first. Here's the thing is people think like, even though uh, bad company was kind of a breakout for them, they already had success at radio with, uh, right. with, with the bleeding with um, never enough. And then hard to see off the second record. So they, it was like, it was a thing that kind of took them to the next level and they realized it was a thing they could do. Um, and listen, I'm totally open to doing covers in the future. I think it's, I love doing covers. I think it's fun. We talk about it all the time. I just thought for this record. Yes, absolutely. Here's the thing. And it's not like I'm running shit. Like if I said there's no <laughs> covers, they're going to listen to me. If someone, you know, Tommy ended up actually doing a piano, like kind of just vocal and piano version of a, um, a Lana Del Rey song. Okay. I think that's just going to be like a B-side or something. Um, but almost, I don't even consider that almost the same thing. I feel like that's almost a little deep cut kind of yeah. kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I, like I said, I love doing covers. Um, it's just a matter of doing it at the right time and, and the right kind of thing. So, I don't know. I just think it, I felt the same way when I saw that poll. I was like, really? Like, it would seem like this is the record to really stand on your own two feet and not have it not be something that any detractors can take away from you. Like, if you have success on this second record, which is a make-or-break record for you, for any band, really, that at this point it's like, why why do that when there's already so many people who are doubting 
the legitimacy of your band due to what Zombie ended up doing, which, I mean, it's been said countless times in countless interviews. You guys didn't script any of that to happen. It just happened the way yeah. it did, and yeah. you had to deal with it as it happened. Well, listen, I, I think um, there's a kind of fine line between the people out there who will criticize you kind of in the um, on the Internet or kind of, you know, commenters and shit posters and, and th- th- things like that you know, between the actual commerce of what it is to be in the music business. And the truth is there's not a lot of through line there that the bands, most of the bands that get the most shit talked about them are the <laughs> most successful bands. Absolutely. So it really doesn't have, but, you know, for me it wasn't really about that. Like, oh, I need to, like, make these people on the internet happy. It was more like for my uh, sensibilities, you know, and I think a lot of those things are, I think if, if we really leaned on that, it could be viewed as being a very cynical, um, you know, contrived move. And w- what I worry about is not necessarily what those people, internet people, are like elitist. It's more like our peers mm-hmm. and within the other sections of the music industry, you know, who who may think, oh, that's uh, that band, they're just kind of cheesy. They're kinda, you know, it's like, you know, because the truth is I want to tour with the Slipknots and the Corns and, uh, you know, Vol beats and these kind of like in and a lot of those bands, you know, they kind of don't care if you got the number one song on the radio. They kind of just want to tour bands they like. Yeah. And uh, and so I so I think part of that is is really putting your foot down and kind of kind of saying, hey, this is this is what the band is, you know. So. So with the this, I'll call it a lead off single because I don't really know. There's not been really a mention of an album or when it's coming out or anything. So I'll just call it a promotional single of sorts. What made you pick this out of any of the other songs maybe that you have to be kind of the, hey, this is the new thing we're getting ready to launch? Uh, it's, uh, I think if we were going to play the, the record for anyone and we're like, this is kind of, here's what's happened on the new record, it's the first song I would play. That kind of gives you a better sense of, you know, the heaviness and also like when it comes to the hooks on the record and and the melody and stuff that it's a lot it's just a lot more direct it's you know it's not you know that first time you you know by the time you get to the second chorus you're already kind of in you know and I, and I think it's just a kind of a crazy sounding song it's really you know maybe from the outside looking in if you're kind of someone who's not into the band maybe like oh this is the fucking they're doing that rap thing and they're fucking doing <laughs> oh here comes the chorus like but no like musically there's a lot happening with that song um it's pretty technical um, and just, I think it's very interesting to listen to it. I just really, I think it's just, it's a, something that kind of slaps you in the face. I don't know if it's just because I've been so ensconced in my Howard Jones episode, Howard Jones episode that's dropping tomorrow and blood has been shed, yeah. but the intro to that and then the way it kind of, that riff carries throughout the song really reminds me of a uh, call waiting John Doe, that like panned part that they have in the beginning oh, of that. I have, to, I have to go back and listen to it. Um, yeah, this actually, like I had nothing to do with, with, uh, with, with I'll be there. So I can't really take any any, any credit for take it. Take all the credit. You're the only one on the mic right now. No, no, no. I don't like it. <laughs> I like to uh, take credit for the for, for my crap. You know. So I'll let you know which which tune when the record comes out. I'll let you know which tunes I I was involved with. Fair enough. Is there a sense of? And this is from an outsider's perspective, but obviously with this being the first uh, thing of the collaboration process of all of you being involved in writing music, was there a little bit of like? 
from your like your perspective of like man I, like i know i've been playing with these guys and i know how to play with these guys but i really hope that like people don't feel like the things that i'm bringing or everyone else is bringing now have changed the sound of what bad wolves was well, or you... i mean to, truth be told man there's not really a whole lot of opportunity for that i mean john is still at the forefront of the musical side of things and tommy is you know really has a, a big say in kind of how songs are structured and what material makes makes the record so your truth is we're the rest of us are still on the periphery when it comes to the, the, the contribution to songwriting wise you know so it's like for me i really tried to sit down and work on stuff that i thought would work for this band and write for this band's sensibilities you know and then you know, and a few of those ideas got used, and me and John sat down and worked on a couple songs, and me and Chris sat down and worked on a, on, on a few songs, um, and then, you know, some of that stuff got used, some of it didn't, um, and, you know, but ultimately, like I said, it's gonna be Tommy and John's kind of main thrust as far as who's kind of running the show, so I'm, I'm there, but I still wouldn't go out of my way to say that it's like, oh, we're the, you know... I went in there and made it my, you know, it's my record or, or my primary contribution, you know. So it's still, I think, ultimately that their vision, if that makes sense. No, it does. I've often wondered, too, do you feel you're kind of becoming a hired gun and doing a lot of stuff with other musicians that aren't, you know, a band that you started, like with God Forbid? Are you, do you feel that that has really helped you step into this role in Bad Wolves? Um... You know, it's, I guess, in many ways, I mean, I never really view myself as, like, being, like, a hired gun, per se. And especially with, with this band, it's not it's not like that. It's just that all, I think, organizations have a hierarchy. Right. You know? Um, <laughs> one, way, what, one way or the other. I hope I can hear there's a lot of uh, ice being shuffled around. It's uh, bar time around here. I guess. Uh, <laughs> do you want to take a break? Or no, I that? mean... The thing is, I'll probably edit whatever. Like while you're talking, I'll just push you up. Yeah. I mean, this is real life. Some people are like, it's funny. Some people are like, I love this. I love being like, I feel like I'm there, and I'm like, yeah. I fucking hate it. <laughs> no, I think I think it depends on what it is. Um, but anyway, um, no. L listen, I think it's been a weird journey because, with God forbid, I was kind of, you know, I evolved to be kind of the central songwriter, but you know, but not out of like. I need to be the guy. Right. It was, it was almost just it kind of just happened that, happened that way. And like, you go to our last record, uh, Equilibrium, where I, you know, I probably only wrote about half the stuff. You know, um, did like probably less guitar solos than, than 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 the new guitar player. So I've never been a guy who's like, I have to do this. So it it made it pretty easy for me to do jam with other people or play with other bands and uh, take a more of a back seat. You know, because a lot of times it's. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's about a vibe, and if you can't really tap into a vibe or being, you know, me like I was very in some ways I was intimidated to write for for Bad Wolves because I felt like they did such a great job, and it's not that I don't think I could write a good song. It's like, can I write a song that's good that sounds like this band? Right. So that you know, so that's something I've been trying to develop, and you know, for me, I feel like I've answered that question pretty pretty well, and I think I I can. Um, I've learned to kind of trust myself a little bit more, but. But we'll see. It's it's unfortunately, I think the downside of getting kind of a lot of A personalities or people that, that have a dominant uh, mindset creatively is that you know not everyone's gonna get 
kind of their their way with things, which I think with a lot of bands like this, you get people doing a lot of side projects and doing stuff and find places that they can actually express themselves. And there's always going to be, you've heard with every big band that goes through a rough time, it's like, this guy's upset because, you know, this guy's doing too much on the record or this person, and it's uh, it can be a frustrating process. It can, you know. I think the thing that's been rather interesting about the band seemingly is just, I mean, everyone's so tenured. Everyone has been through the rigmarole already, so it doesn't seem to phase you as much. But I do wonder if going into this record at this point in your career with what you've done, do you feel a greater sense of what this what this record needs to accomplish? Yeah, I mean, listen, I think the truth is we've been out with on tour with headliners that have thrived on a really major level. Um, you know, much you know, bigger than the bands we looked up to in our previous bands. You know, when right. we were coming up, it was like, oh, Lamb of God's the big band, and you know, Killswitch is the big band, or this, you know, these other bands. And truth is, these you know, open up with for the Five Fingers and the Shine. I was like, these are like platinum arena mainstream acts, and it's so when you're kind of looking at that, you're like, clearly that's where you want to get to. Right. Um, obviously, it's not gonna happen overnight. Um, but I think from an ambition standpoint, our main focus is, all right, let's make the record that can put us on, keep us on that trajectory. Because we know we have all the um, kind of tools to, to get it done. But, uh, you know, ultimately it's about, like, when you tour these bands, you're like, song after song. It's like hit, 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 hit. And it's, you know, and, uh, and so, and we're in a, in a weird, somewhat of a weird place because we're still really heavy and we want to honor that and we don't want to just okay we're going to become this radio rock band um well have you had to sorry to cut you off have you had to deal with the like i know kill switch going all the way back to end of heartache we'll even say where they had to take out some of the double bass some of the like uh the growly bridge section yeah. of the song and so forth to make it formatted for radio are you guys even starting to think like that, where you'll go back and Tommy might retrack a vocal that's less aggressive so um, it can be played on that. radio? We did that for one song, but not like there's two versions. Um, radio edits, I guess, is what they're called. Yeah, it's just, here's the thing. We're, truth be told, we're a, a much different band than Killswitch Engage. Um, that's a band that's more or less doubled down on being metal. And despite the fact of having very catchy choruses and, and very hooky songs, they made a choice, you know, really, you know, several years back to just do what they do, but they're not going to alter what they do for any format or for radio or anything like that. Um, and we're just, we're a different band. We're a, a really heavy band that writes songs for the radio, you know, and that's just a different lane. So, you know, we, you know, that gives us really a lot of leeway that on our heavy songs, they can be just heavy. And they could, you know, and, and because we have material that's meant to cross over and we have material that's meant to just be a fucking metal song, you know? Right. So, uh, so no, we haven't had to compromise too much or say, okay, this, it's more because the thing is, you know, when you can do a lot of things, sometimes it's not even watering it down or making this just like what, what works for the, for the track, you know? Kind of switching up gears because I don't necessarily want to keep talking about a single yeah. off of a record that we don't even know anything about. You know, something I've kind of focused on quite a bit, but I love the diversity of the answers I get. Obviously, this band takes up a lot of your time, and then you do a podcast as well. 
and somewhere you find personal time and something that has been kind of present on some of the podcast intros is just fatigue and burnout. So on my podcast, yes, on yours. Um, I, I mean, I deal with it. I don't really talk about it cause I don't feel like anyone gives a shit about yeah. me complaining <laughs> about something I choose to do, but with given how much you have on your plate, how do you not get fatigued and how do you find time to be a person that is separate from the two entities that you have um i mean one i'm just i'm not someone who's like afraid of relaxing you know some people i think don't really know how to shut it off and they can't when they when they're like oh i'm taking some time they're still looking at their phone and trying to trying to work so i i'm i'm pretty good at just hey i'm gonna go on vacation i'm gonna take some days off um you know but i think listen i think for me burnout was and for everyone in the band, it was really prominent for the end of last year. You know, and it was like we all kind of hit our breaking point because we just toured so long with no time off. Um, you know, and, and I, th- I think for me, you know, even recently, if maybe I talked about it, it was just I'm the kind of guy where I just tend to say yes a lot. Right. And so it was one thing kind of after another – you know, I was riding a real kind of tightrope of like, okay, I have this much time for this. And then that's, you know, when I did the Mark Morton gig and went and did like ship rock and things like that. And then trying to, and then home and I'm, I'm at home doing little things here. And, you know, so it's, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't really have it figured out per se, you know, um, but I just try and you're just kind of keeping all the balls up. And, you know, and I think with, with the podcast, it's, you know, it's always there, like, okay, I got to keep it, even if it's not every week a show comes out, at least get a couple out a month every 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 couple weeks because the truth is I'm lucky enough to have an audience enough now that really seems to care and get a lot out of the show. Um, and there's still, like, just a lot of co- things I want to get done with it and, and conversations I, I want to have. What's something in doing the podcast as long as you have with the diversity of the people you've had on, what's something that you've taken away that has surprised you the most about doing it? Um, you know, I, I guess maybe that the evolution of it, you know, it's the thing that's kind of cool now is I think people have kind of come to expect the unexpected so I can do weird things and, and just how creative I can be with it and that there's, you know, and I, one thing, main thing I have to remember is, that there are no rules, you know, um, and the kind of the more I lean into that, I think the the more feedback I get. And unfortunately, the hard part for me is when I'm on the road, I realized I can't I'm not the best at uh, multitasking. Like when I'm on tour, the show really is the main thing. I, like there's some guys I think that can just like they can just be on it. tour. <laughs> They can just kind of not even worry about the show, do whatever they're working on all day, and then they, like, you know, warm up for 10 minutes to go on stage play and then immediately go back to doing something else. Whereas me, it's, like, the kind of mental and emotional energy that I really want to put in on the stage kind of dominates a good portion of of my day, and it and it takes away from other things. Um, and so I, do, I don't feel like I'm as good at podcasting when I'm on tour. I feel like I'm, I'm not quite as focused in on it. Um, and I, obviously it's harder to book guests and you're, you're, you're busy like that. And I'm, you know, like I want to get back to writing. It's something I haven't done in a while, but I, it's constantly on like the back of my mind and I just don't have time because the amount of 
focus it takes to really do it and do it well, it's just it's just difficult to do. It's just kind of interesting because I feel like while I don't have a job that's like yours, I definitely in this last year, six months, I'll say consistently try to make myself as available as I can for opportunities when they present themselves while also manifesting like today, I re-reached out <laughs> to get head on the podcast because I was like, okay, like this has almost happened like so many times. And then something stupid happens like, oh, it just has no self-service where he's at. And then I saw he's around in the Midwest. He's doing something for the documentary. And I was like, hey, can we do this? I know it's been almost a fucking year at this point, but like, can we get this set up? How does next week work? Yeah. Thursday or Friday? Are you, can you be up late at night? Yeah. Like presumably after they're done with their set. For that, Sure. I'll move whatever around to make that work. Do you do yours in person or do you do some in Skype? I do, I do as much. I like to do as many in person as I can because I feel like there's a little bit more of a connect mm-hmm. and a little bit more of an ebb and flow in the conversation. I'm sure you get that since I think 99% of yours are all in person. No, I mean, you know, not as many as I would, I would like. You know, for the, for the majority, it's if I really do them on uh, Skype if it's the only way. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this this is a thing where I, I found – like, it's funny. I was talking to uh, Eddie from Rock and Roll Beer Guy podcast uh, earlier today, and he was – we were talking just about like, – he was like, oh, it's cool that you landed Doc. Like, I've been trying to get him for a little while, but just haven't been able to get it situated. And I was like, you know, I did one over Skype, and I was kind of nervous because, like, I had been listening to so much of your podcast. And I and uh, probably a lot of people who are into this medium really admire, like, the time that you get with a lot of people. The what? The time that you get with a lot of people, because it's not normal. A lot of times it's like, hey, here's your 15, 20 minutes, and you got to make do with what you can. Well, I don't – here's the truth. I only really want people to be on my show if they want to be on the show. Like, I've had – you know, I'm not going to name names, but people said, oh, you know, I, I've already done a lot of press, and I don't really want to – here's the thing. I will literally never ask that person ever again to do my show. <laughs> If you consider this press, if you consider this work, don't fucking do my show. Right. And, uh, and it's about hanging out and talking and getting to know each other and, and talking about people's stories and connecting. If you're not down with it, and if you consider like uh, just another, like, oh, I got a, a 6.30, just don't do my show. And it, and it sucks because I think those would be good conversations, but uh, and maybe that's just the timing is wrong. But I've noticed a lot of people, a lot of people who kind of, you know, are a little up – have their nose up in the air about my show it keeps getting bigger and the next thing you know they're like hey what's up with that show you know all of a sudden you know and and, and that kind of happens sometimes too so i don't really worry about it um there's plenty here's the thing there's plenty of podcasts out there there's plenty of, of people out there and and for me i'm way more interested in kind of turning over those stones that haven't been touched i think that's the thing that i really admire about what your show does but also like i mean you and I seemingly will drop an episode or have the same guests pretty close to one another. Like, I mean, you dropped your John from Baroness. I was literally entering to talk to him, like, the next day. Yeah, and that's – but a lot of that, too, you got to remember is – They're press junket and so yeah. forth. Yeah. So that's, that's, that's what they're doing, which, you know, more often than not, I, I try to avoid. Um, but for certain people where it's – I probably wouldn't have a better opportunity to speak with them. Yeah. I'll kind of take those as, as they come. And I'm just – I'm such a huge fan – of him and the band, I was just like, hell yeah, let's, let's make it happen. But I think the, like, I ended up talking to Chris Dudley, and I was like, you know, I'm kind of glad that you put yours out first, because there's a few things I was definitely going to go into, and I was like, nope, Doc already hit it, and hit it better than I would have because of the relationship that you two have from touring together, and I think that's, at least from my perspective, a nice service that your podcast provides, is sometimes it's like you might think that you have something that no one has touched on, and then you put out something, and you're like, ah, 
okay, now is there a, a, a different perspective that maybe I can get on that that you guys didn't touch on? But usually you're pretty, like you said, pretty good at covering, uncovering a lot of stones that like people aren't hitting in normal interviews yeah, same thing, or like conversations. When I, when I had uh, Rob Flynn from Machine Head on my show, he, he was doing a lot of shows. And so I literally talked about stuff that no one was talking about. Almost all I did was talk about was like the old days. Yeah. You know, burn my eyes and, you know, more things change and, and stuff. So it was like, and everyone, you know, was previous to that was talking about probably politics and all the stuff that, he, you know, he was, was kind of in the, the news at the time, you know. So, you know, I, you know, in certain examples, I'll try and zig when I zag. But, you know, like I said, I'm all on that same that kind of thing as you were. If I feel like everyone's talking to certain people, I'm like, yeah, probably don't want to talk to that person, even if there's someone I'd probably like to talk to. Yeah. Um, kind of in wrapping up, uh, NBA season. We're close to 2K dropping, which is usually like the beginning of yeah. the NBA. The trades and all that stuff are done. We're, we're officially kind of in summer camp mode and all that kind of stuff. After this tremendous offseason, how do you feel the, uh, the landscape of the NBA is looking right now? We have the best – I think we're going to have the best season, I don't say ever, but it might be, it might be the best one ever. I mean, because uh, it's wide open. No one knows what's going to happen. Uh, I think we have favorites, but every team that we think is, is really good, you know, has guys that could get hurt. You know, uh, there's just a lot of new scenarios, things that are really un- unpredictable. And uh, I can't wait. I think, think most fans are like that, where it's season ended and we went right into draft, right into free agency, and we were all like – our heads were spinning for two straight weeks, and then now it's like quiet again. Even though they're doing like FIBA World World Cup stuff, uh, where we're all like, "Okay, what is the season start yet? What is it? What is it? Is it, what is it, is it October yet? What's <laughs> going on?" We're all, you know, we're all kind of uh, scrambling for you know to kind of get that 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 hit off it. But I'm very excited, and you know, I'm a Knicks fan, so you know, there's a, there's a lot of things to maybe not not be excited about. Well, but, I, think, uh, I think you actually made a really good statement about being a Knicks fan, and it's something I've actually been trying to parallel into expectations just in general. Because yeah. you were talking about, like, the media put the expectations that if the Knicks don't hit or do these things, it's a failure. Yeah. And it's like, no, we still have cap space. We still have young talent. We still we still have something positive that we should be looking forward to. But because we didn't land these two people, it's this whole season's already a failure. Like that's well, there's listen. There's a lot about the sports mentality um, that is spurned by the media that I think is really toxic, and a lot of it is. This idea that if you lo- you're losing, that it's a failure, right? And here's the truth: um, these are zero-sum situations, right? So someone has to lose the games, right? So mathematically, if so, let's say every team is doing all the right things, and everyone's they're doing their best, and they're they're they have the great scouting, and they're preparing, and they hire the right people. Still, someone is going to lose like 60 games or 50 games. So there's this idea that, A, that just because you're losing, you're a failure. And B, that you are somehow entitled to like eventually have a blank or have some success. Or it's, just, it's, just, it's just a really odd men- mentality around it. And I, mean, I look, I was like, hey, well, the Knicks are not that good, but it's, it's, it's fine. We're not owed anything. They've kind of done a bad job. So when you do a bad job. You kind of should have 
not ideal things happen after that. You right. Know? So you can't, you know, in, in many ways, I think if the Knicks would have gotten Durant and uh, Kyrie Irving. Would have rewarded the bad Yeah, behavior. it would have been like, like, is there any reasonable reason why you should be the worst team in the league and all of a sudden get two of the best players? It just doesn't really work that way normally. And that was a big kind of get-out-of-jail-free card that they perhaps didn't deserve. And maybe it's probably a better idea for them to build a better culture, to build a place that people actually want to come to first um, and just see what happens. I mean, the, the, the truth is just, you know, I love basketball. So if the Knicks are kind of not that good, that's okay. I got 29 <laughs> other teams I can watch. Yeah. Doesn't mean I'm not a Knicks fan, but it's just like it's – I'm just not taking it to that level. Trust me, a lot of when I found out these dudes were going to the Nets, I'm telling you, if they would have signed anywhere else, I wouldn't have felt this way. But the fact that they went to the Nets, it like, it hurt. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, because that's just like you know, you know, your girlfriend breaking up with you, marrying your best friend. You know, it's a, it's a little, it's a little rough. You know, so uh, <laughs> even though I have I have friends that are that are that are Nets fans, and uh, you know, and but here's the thing, there's nothing guaranteed for them either. You know, I mean, Durant's health and. Kyrie with chemistry issues, but you know, more power to him, man. I hope, I hope, I hope they have a lot of success. You know. Last question: What uh, what is your top two movies that you've seen so far this year? Top two movies I've seen this year. Uh, Endgame. Mm. How many times did you see it? Three times. I'm well. I'm technically like halfway through my fourth time because I downloaded. Oh, it that's right. It just on, came out on, uh, on iTunes. iTunes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Saw so three times in the theater, and it's it's the best. Have you seen the additional? Was it fifteen or nineteen minutes they put in? No, I've seen a couple extra scenes. Uh, a couple extra scenes, but I don't. Um, I wonder if those that's in the iTunes thing. It might be on there. But I'm waiting to buy like whatever box set that's mm. gonna come around. I want to buy. Cause I figured it'll probably be cheaper to buy a box set than to buy everything individually. Probably. Um, so that's my plan. But they haven't announced officially what that that's gonna be. And as far as the number two movie, I have to. I literally have to go through everything. Off the top of my head, I want to say Midsummer. Heard a lot about it. I haven't seen it it's yet. It's fucking crazy. Yeah, but it's just a it's brilliantly shot. I mean, some of the best cinematography and and just uh, pure filmmaking. And it's really the movie fucks you up. Uh, but it's the same guy who did uh, Predatory. All right. You know, but it's a pretty pretty horrific crazy movie. I just finally caught. Sorry for bothering you. Yeah, that's 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 really. That movie's fucked up. Yeah, that's that. That movie's just just fun and, and crazy and, and really unique and, and I, I, lo- I love it. I didn't totally love the ending, like the end ending. I feel like they kind of ran out of ideas at the end. But I I love that um that actor. Um, I'm forgetting his name off the top of my head, but he's he's amazing and stuff. David Cross as the white voices killed me every time. It was David Cross? That was his voice, was oh, David I, Cross. I did not know that. Yeah, I forget the, the other dude. Uh, I forget Danny Glover's white voice. Uh, but that was funny. I was trying to figure out the white voices of who they were. Oh, yeah, I had no idea. I had no idea. That's, that's good. I, like, I literally have to go through it because really it's been, I think this year too has been a lot about television. You know, probably the best television show. Oh, I was maybe the most interesting and most probably unique thing I've seen this year is Euphoria, which is on HBO. Okay. Um, that's, I think, a really brilliant, brilliant show. I'm waiting for season three of Ozarks. I yeah, think that'll be lot, good. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that just came, came out that I haven't watched. Uh, what is that? Uh, Mindhunter just came out. New season of Glow. Succession. Succession is starting up again. So, 
People think, oh, you're probably on the road. You have a lot of time to watch shows. For some reason, I always, I'll like on a day off, like I watch that show, The Boys, the superhero <laughs> show. Yeah. I like binge that on two separate days. But a lot of times, it's like by the time you lay down, you just fall asleep. So. And then uh, lastly, where can people find you or the band online? Uh, me, I'm at Doc Coyle, D-O-C-C-O-Y-L-E. I also have a website, which is not <laughs> updated right now. Um, Dotcoil.net, and then the the podcast is the X Man EX EX Man um, and Bad Wolves. Uh, pretty much were Bad Wolves Nation. dot com, and then at Bad Wolves Official Instagram. You know, you you look up the Google. I think everyone's more, more or less easy to find. And then we can expect a God forbid reunion next year. I don't know about that. You know, it's uh, <laughs> listen. I just, I'm, you know, like I said, friends with everybody. It's just uh, I'm so busy, and like I said, no one's really knocking down our door. I mean, if E Town can do one show a year, yeah. But here's the thing: E Town was probably about three to four times bigger than we were in our home area. I'm sure we could do like one reunion show and and maybe sell it out. Um, but I don't know. It's like I've I've so low confidence really about how many people actually give a shit to be honest are you surprised that people want it as bad as they say they do no i just um i just don't know how i you know it's it's hard to gauge you know if people really care that much that makes sense and, and i'm not saying those people don't but it just might be those people you know what i'm saying i don't know if you see a few comments online that means there's hundreds or thousands of people that also feel that way who just aren't there it may be true i'm just uh you know and i don't even know if that's even a good enough reason to to do anything you know it would really have to come from a a place of hey man this would sound fun or this would be cool and and you know when the truth be told no matter what it would be a lot of work just getting things together rehearsing booking gear everything it's a it's a lot you know but um you know you never you never know you know we'll we'll have to kind of see what uh what what the future holds, you know, but I, I love all those guys. I, I love the music. And I'm, I'm proud of our legacy and, you know, and I'm happy people still kind of care. Cause I do think we did something really cool. Well, thank you for taking the time to do this and uh, looking forward to the show tonight. Thank you so much, brother. So that was my conversation with Doc Coyle. Uh, much to Toomey's chagrin as he hears this, I'm going to apologize for uh, Doc's microphone kind of cutting out there at the end. I don't know what it was. I uh, haven't really had that issue since. Um, Sometimes some people, uh, which I'm not going to blame Doc for this, but uh, sometimes when people, you know, have the microphone and they got the cable in their hands and they, they're very expressive and talk with their hands, I don't care what kind of microphone cables you got, you're going to get the cable noise. Um, so I don't know if any of that was leading to anything cutting out because everything on my end showed that, the, you know, because I'm watching all of the, the volume levels and shit and everything looked fine and then I heard it back and I was like, ah. That sucks, but um, so apologies for that, uh, but also fuck you, because, uh, I mean, I did everything I could, and uh, some shit just happens. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I didn't think it was too distracting. You know, I would have told you, because I'm always a jerk about that. I'm like, ooh, what was going on with that interview, John? <laughs> did you mean to only send me 13 seconds of it? And that's how I, and that's actually how I sound through text, so, you know. Um, but no, I want to thank Doc once again for taking the time to do this. Uh, always appreciated. Um, just definitely someone, like I said, who is a peer uh, in the podcasting realm. I definitely think uh, brings a lot to the music-based interviews uh, of the podcast. And actually, you know, something that's been really inspiring is he's been reaching out to outside people from just music and getting people from YouTube. And I mean, one of my favorite ones and someone I'd actually like to get on, and I bet you would love to do a discography discussion with him, uh, 
Ant Money from uh, E Town Concrete. I mean, oh yeah, dude, in a heartbeat. His uh, his appearances on Josh's podcast and, and Doc Coyle's podcast were fucking great. And you know, I think very much like something that I take away from it is like I very much like you know hip hop and R and B and and a lot of things outside of rock and metal. I fe- always feel kind of like I'm putting myself on when I go on to discography discussion because typically whenever you guys are like, "What's the album of the week?" and I'm like, you know, I've been really listening to a lot of like <laughs> Little Peep or Ghostman or something like that, and it's always <laughs> peep. it's what? always like shit that isn't metal. Um, and you guys are like, "Oh, I'm listening to Celtic Carnage," and I'm like, "Yeah, I was listening to the Carter's record that just came." <laughs> <laughs> came out so well john that doesn't sound anything like after the burial <laughs> yeah um but it's it's one of those things uh, speaking of after the burial did you see their their old drummer got caught with like half ton of uh weed uh was that after the burial i thought that was a different band um, i think he was in after the burial he used to be in after the burial he was not he was currently. in um walls of jericho yeah but i think he was also in after the burial oh yeah i should probably know that because uh spoilers are working on an episode uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay yeah big yeah um yeah that's true <laughs> oh my goodness that's hilarious yeah he was arrested with over 630 pounds of marijuana oh i'm sorry it wasn't after the burial it was bury your dead my bad bury your dead okay yeah i didn't think it was the same but uh you're right that on the still sucks yeah sure does yeah like i mean yikes <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just yikes at the same time, though, like, you know, everybody's everybody's making fun of this. And, yeah, I mean, obviously, like, what he did was excessively illegal. Um, but this is also one of those things where, you know, people that get caught with this kind of stuff, are they really bad guys or are they just – are they more like revolutionaries that are trying to change the law? I don't know. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's hard to – like, obviously, like, it's such a ridiculous headline. Yeah. You know, Walls of Jericho drummer arrested with over 630 pounds of marijuana. Like, yeah, maybe you guys should have bought more Walls of Jericho records. But uh. So actually, kind of speaking to that, I mean, I'm not going to say he's a revolutionary for trying to sneak, you know, half a ton of pot across, you know, con- or, uh, city and state lines. But, you know, I, was, I am kind of reminded of this, uh, I don't know if it was a documentary, just like a 2020 that was on like a long time ago or something. But it was about these these moms who basically, I think they had autistic kids. Um, and they lived in a state or a, a city that basically weed was obviously illegal. And so this, this mother, maybe, it, I think it was weed, but it might have been like pills, but I'm pretty sure it was weed. Um, and basically, she went to another country, like she went to Canada or something like that, and bought this product to bring back to not only for her her child but for all these other mothers and it was one of those things where it's like you do kind of start breaking down like okay is what this person doing illegal yes you're bringing something a, a banned substance from one country to another to sell it and or distribute it to other people so yes that is that is usually a felony in in some way shape or form and is highly legal however when you look at the reasoning behind what you're doing it's to to make your child's lives better because they are born with this condition. And at that point, then it's like, okay, that's pretty shitty. And what parent wouldn't do, wouldn't risk, you know, their lives and, and risk uh, potential jail time and stuff like that just so their their child is able to, to be okay. And I'm not saying that that's what the dude from Walls of Jericho is doing with, with 600 pounds of weed. But 
who's to say that maybe between himself or wherever he was going that, you know, some of this isn't going to go to be used for medicinal stuff. Um, I mean, we're kind of piggybacking off of last episode with, with Ivan Moody, Moody and all that kind of stuff. But I mean, I'm just going to like, everyone assumes the worst and I'm assuming the worst too. I assume he was going to sell all of that to people uh, at a, at a premium and that's, and he was just basically the runner uh, or someone well, in a bigger well, chain. John, Okay, in his defense, he has no idea how all of that pot got in his truck. <laughs> no idea. He he went, you know, he you know, you know how it is, you're you're driving across the state line, and you're like, "Oh man, speeding on top of that. I got to I got to poop like so bad." So you stop at like a gas station and you go in there, and it is just a catastrophe in that bathroom. Like you can't go back to that place for 2 years after what you did in there. But you were there so long that bad guys came out and they they threw 630 pounds of marijuana in the back of your vehicle. And you're just driving for some reason you don't smell it and you're driving and you're like man I got to poop again so you, you so you start driving a little bit faster you don't know you're doing anything wrong. Officer pulls you over. You're like, look, man, this situation's going to get really bad. You need to let me go. And the cop says, well, let's just look in the back of your truck. And you're like, go ahead, do it. And that's when you find out that a bunch of bad guys dropped 630 pounds of marijuana in the back of your truck. Dude, happens to me all the time. And we've all been in that situation, right? I mean, I would just I would just chalk it all up to digestion issues, really. He could have ate them. He could have ate all that weed. He could have. He, he might have been better off. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, I I don't know that that was one of the more ridiculous headlines of the week where I was just like, oh, okay, like that's that's a thing we're doing. Um, <laughs> Eventually, I'm gonna have to say something about this. Yeah, you know, I'm gonna hit on two things that kind of coincide. Um, it is kind of interesting because uh, at the end there, I asked, you know, uh, will we ever get another God forbid record or a reunion show? And I think it was kind of sincere that he was like, I I don't know that people want it. Um, which is interesting because I have seen quite a few people recently comment on some of his stuff like, yo, when's a God forbid reunion happening? And which parlays into my next thing. I guess we're getting Rage Against the Machine and My Chemical Romance. Yeah, I mean, I can't say I'm like super stoked about either, but uh, that's that's a thing that's happening. Rage Against the Machine, maybe a little bit more than My Chemical Romance, and that's not just me being like a uh, metal, uh, you know, like I like My Chemical Romance just fine, um, but I just, I, the thoughts never occurred to me that I needed more. That, that's just where I'm at with that band. They came, they did. I liked it. The end. <laughs> I, I largely feel the same way about Rage, though. But a, a, as I've as I've gotten in trouble before on other podcasts for saying, I think Rage Against the Machine is just is is a just fine band. Uh, I don't necessarily understand um, why why all the hype. Because it was a bunch of white people making that music. Oh yeah, that is that is how rock and rolls we know it was born, isn't it? <laughs> All right, I won't get any more political on this podcast, but <laughs> um, but yeah. So I mean, we got a couple of reunions on deck. Maybe we'll see. Uh, we'll see a God forbid reunion uh, in the near future. So um, definitely a band I always wanted to see, and I never got to. Um, I think it's a shame. I, I think they're very much kind of in that shadows fall kind of thing, where I think they were a lot better than people gave them credit for initially. And it took them going away and people having time to only listen to the records for them to realize, like, fuck, I, I fucked up. Oh, I will definitely take a God forbid record any day of the week. But all of that being said, we're going to end this episode as we always do with the plugs and all of that kind of thing. So if you would like to keep up with uh, Bad Wolves, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram at Bad Wolves Official. Find them on Twitter at Bad Wolves. Uh, go to BadWolvesNation.com for all the Bad Wolves going on. If you would like to keep up with Doc Coyle pretty simple 
Coil, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, check out his podcast, the X-Man Podcast. New Bed Wolves Record Nation is out now. Uh, apparently no one knows what the acronym stands for, but yeah, there it is. Um, well, as long as it's better than Nation by Sepultura, I think it, I think we're okay. Mm, that's a deep cut. Derek Green's going to kill me one day. And uh, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them simply enough at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. I can be found infecting most parts of the internet. You can find me on Twitter at DiscussMetalDan, Facebook under Daniel Terry. You can find my other 10,000 podcasts at DiscussMetal.com. You can send me an email at DiscussMetalDan at gmail.com, and I will actually probably for real respond to it. So, uh, yeah, let's get them emails in. Let's do it. If you would like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Bruce B. Pied on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Find us over on YouTube. If you would like to check us out on that medium, uh, we have some videos up uh, where they are applicable. Uh, if you would like to support us monetarily, head on over to patreon.com slash Pod. If you would like to support us non-monetarily, which most of you enjoy doing, uh, it is simply enough. Rate, review, subscribe. However you are listening to this podcast, I'm sure there is a button off to your right or left that will allow you to do one of those things. Tell us why we suck, because we're gluttons for punishment. And and uh, if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can get some delicious coffee over at TheBeanBastard.com. Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. I have a box coming soon full of a bunch of coffees, uh, a bunch of blends, a bunch of different stuff that I haven't tried yet because I am all out. And I decided, uh, you know what? Winter's coming, so I should probably drink more coffee. So again, head over to TheBeanBastard.com. Let them know that we sent you from over here at the Brutally Speaking Podcast. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, this is John. And this is Dan. And this is us telling you we will see you all next week.